Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. We're going to have a good time. We're, con we're continuing in Galatians chapter 4. And this is an awesome, awesome chapter in an awesome book. Because one of the things that stood out to me when I was really focusing in and honing in as we were getting ready for this was that thought of you belong. Look at someone next to you and say, you belong. Look at someone else and say, you do too. You belong. So what the cool thing about this whole thing, and I want this whole book, and I want you to get this. I'm praying that God just gives you a revelation of this, that this becomes real to you, is that you belong in God's family. You belong in God's will, his best for your life. You belong in the place where God empowers you to live in victory. You belong there. God made you for, for himself, and he made you to belong. That's an awesome thing. And so in Galatians, the Apostle Paul, what, what he's doing, I'm going to give a little backdrop. We're going to read some verses together, and I promise I'm going to let you sit down, okay, because it's been a long week already up to Wednesday, right? Okay, you, you made it, though, Laney. You made it, so I'm so glad you're here. So in, in Galatians, Paul, he wrote this book from Rome in about AD 68. Two years later, he, uh, that's when Jerusalem actually got burned with fire by the Romans, so that hasn't happened yet. So the temple is still in Jerusalem. People are still living by the old covenant, all right? And Paul had gone on some missionary journeys, and he got these people saved in the middle of uh, modern-day Turkey, and it was the province of Galatia. And he started these churches, and he said, guys, you've got to trust in Jesus, believe God. And you've got to put your faith in Jesus, nothing else. Well, when he left, other people came in and said, yeah, that's good, but you need Jesus plus something else. You've got to get circumcised. And there's sacrifices, and you've got to obey all the laws of Moses. And they were frustrated, and they could never meet that standard. Have you ever felt that friction in your own life? You see God is perfect and holy and just, but it's like you can never meet that. Well, guess what? We're never meant to because we can't. And no matter how hard they tried, the Galatians were frustrated. And then Paul got frustrated because they're trying to earn their salvation. They're trying to do this stuff in their own strength. They're trying to be better in their own strength. They're, trying, they're reading all the self-help books about, you know, the Old Testament. But it's never good enough. So Paul corrects this and says that our belonging, our relationship with God is through faith. But why would the churches in Galatia be tempted by having to earn their salvation and trying to earn God? being God being pleased with them could it be insecurity or an, an innate need to pay for God's mercy and covenant in their own strength to try to figure it out to try to be good enough maybe they were used to that from their religions to try to please a God who actually didn't care but we have a God who does and who reached out to us through Jesus so I want you to read this with me Galatians 4 16 through 31 I know that's a lot of verses don't hate me we're going to go through it and we'll summarize okay and we're just going to cover a little bit. We'll get some word in us, and we'll just we'll flow with this. All right? Verse 16, 1, 2, 3, let's read. Have I now become your enemy because I'm telling you the truth? Those false teachers are so eager to win your favor, but their intentions are not good. They're trying to shut you off from me so that you will pay attention only to them. If someone is eager to do good things for you, that's all right. But let them do it all the time, not just when I'm with you. Oh, my dear children, I feel as if I'm going through labor pains for you again, and they'll continue until Christ is fully developed in your lives. I wish I were with you right now so I could change my tone, but at this distance, I don't know how else to help you. 
Tell me, you who want to live under the law, do you know what the law actually says? The scripture says that Abraham had two sons, one from his slave wife and one from his freeborn wife. The son of the slave wife was born in a human attempt to bring about the fulfillment of God's promise. But the son of the freeborn wife was born as God's own fulfillment of his promise. These two women serve as an illustration of God's two covenants. The first woman, Hagar, represents Mount Sinai where people receive the law that enslaved them. And now Jerusalem is just like Mount Sinai in Arabia because she and her children live in slavery to the law. But the other woman, Sarah, somebody say Sarah. Sarah represents the heavenly Jerusalem. She is the free woman and she is our mother. As Isaiah said, rejoice, O childless woman, you who have never given birth. Break into a joyful shout, you who have never been in labor, for the desolate woman now has more children than the woman who lives with her husband. And you, dear brothers and sisters, are children of the promise, just like Isaac. But you are now being persecuted by those who want you to keep the law, just as Ishmael, the child born by human effort, persecuted Isaac, the child born by the power of the Spirit. By what do the scriptures say about that? Okay, sorry, I messed that up. Uh, get rid of the slave and her son, for the son of the slave woman will not share the inheritance with the free woman's son. Dang, you read like the whole Bible right there. That was a lot of verses. We don't usually do that. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you because we belong. Thank you because you love us and you accept us. And we're so grateful for that, that we can come to you in faith, that we don't have to try to be better, but we come to you in faith and you empower us to be what you've called us to be. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Grab a seat, grab a seat. I, I love that passage in the Bible where David is looking for descendants of, uh, of Jonathan because he made a covenant with him and he wants to be good to him. Well, guess what? The Bible says that Prince uh, Jonathan and King Saul, they died on the same day. So their grandson, who was actually born into royalty, was living in poverty and was living crippled. But David the king went and found him and brought him into his house, cleaned him up and sat him at the king's table and began a, an, a close friendship with Mephibosheth. And isn't that awesome that God does that for you and me? I'm going to show you a picture. Tonight we're talking about you belong. We'll put up the, the Olivia and Vivian. These are incredible young ladies. You ever, you know Olivia and Vivian? Y'all see them greeting on Sunday morning? Well, they have an incredible story. Next Wednesday night we're interviewing them in 512 and they're going to, they're going to, them and their, their mom are going to talk about it a little more. You see, many years ago, their mom, Cassie Camplain, and Jake Camplain, many years ago, God began to put it in their hearts to adopt, some, uh, to adopt a child. And they started praying about it and researching. And I'm assuming it was an organization they connected with. And they saw a picture of a little girl, Vivian, a little girl in China. And six months later, they connected with another little girl named Olivia. And they prayed about it, and God put it on their hearts. And they traveled to the other side of the world, little girls who had some medical conditions. And they traveled to the other side of the world and they went to an orphanage and adopted these two beautiful girls and traveled from Asia, the far, the far East, and brought them to the United States and grafted them and adopted them and brought them into their family. And you see these little girls, they are Camplains through and through. 
They love Jesus. They love God. And they're here serving everywhere we go. They're at Help Home. They are everywhere. They are such good examples of, uh, of our students, like so many of you are, some of you students. They were engrafted and adopted in, and they're part of a beautiful family. And that's what God did for you and me. He brought us into his family. Someone say, I belong. And that's what Paul's trying to communicate in Galatians chapter 4. Point number one, God called you to his family. God, and I gave you some notes there, God called you to his family. You know how you know you're a part of a family? This is how I know. When you have refrigerator rights. You know what I'm talking about. You might not even be hungry. You walk through the kitchen. Y'all do it in your own houses. You walk through. You're not even hungry. You just open the fridge. We take inventory. Just look around, see if anything showed up. Maybe mom brought something in. Maybe your wife brought something, or husband brought some snacks that you're going to eat and not tell anybody, right? Close it back up. You move on. I know I'm in my father's family because I show up at my dad's house, and I open up the refrigerator, and dad has great coffee. Man, his milligrams of caffeine on this bad boy, man, they are powerful, and I like some good coffee. I had some the other day. It has me floating. I'm like, I'm like almost going to heaven like Elijah in the chariot, right? It's amazing. But I go into dad's house. I'm, I'm his son. I don't have to try to be. I don't have to pump myself up to try to be. I'm his son, and that's just what I am. And God made us that through the blood of Jesus. You and I have refrigerator rights with God in heaven. You see, in God's family, you're in the new covenant through Jesus. That means you get to go to heaven, salvation, a relationship with God, healing, blessing. They all belong to you, and you can access it by faith. Point number one is God called you to his family. Point two is you belong. You belong in God's family by faith. That's what Paul's trying to communicate to the, to the churches in Galatia. He's saying you can't try to be good enough to meet the standard of a holy and perfect and just God. You've got to do it through Jesus, through the shed blood of Jesus, how he paid his price, uh, the price for your sin, for your sickness, for your poverty when he was beaten and whipped and they put the crown of thorns on his head and then they nailed him to a cross. He did that for you. And when he came back to life, he showed that death, hell, and the grave couldn't hold him and he defeated them. And he, then he went and he ascended to the right hand of God. And the Bible says that through his blood, when you and I put our faith in him, we have that, we're in that place of victory too. You belong in God's family by faith. You see, belonging to God's family is based on faith. It's not our works. It's our responsibility to grow in our faith and in our relationship with God. But it's, it's trusting in him. You and I can never be good enough to be part of God's family. Trusting in the finished work of the cross gives you and I access to God's family. And then there's the third point here. Is it God's strength or yours? Because here's the thing. Many of us, we believe that we need Jesus to get to heaven. You say, man, I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. Jesus come into my heart and we get saved. We believe that Jesus is strong enough and that God is big enough to forgive us of our sins, to get us to heaven instead of hell. But many of us, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, we don't always say it, but we do it. We say, God, I know you're big enough to get me to heaven, but from here until death, I got it. I got a job opportunity coming up. There's college for, for some of our students. God, I got it. I'll just look and see what looks best. God, I'm just going to go for it. I'll catch up with you later. And we don't consult God. We're running out the door at, on, in, in the morning, getting a Pop-Tart, jumping in the car. All right, guys, we're about to be late. We don't consult God. And then we're making decisions on our own, wondering why we're bumping our head against the wall. 
We wonder why we're struggling when we were never meant to struggle. God's strength are yours. Are you trying to have a Hagar walk with God or a Sarah walk with God? We'll talk about that. I'm a child of the 80s, all right? So the other day when I was on Instagram and I saw a clip of Jairus playing basketball, I saw him, it was a jump shot, I was, it was beautiful. And I looked at it and I was like, oh my gosh, this guy shoots like Isaiah Thomas. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. I hated Isaiah Thomas, but he was great. He beat my Lakers. He beat my Lakers, man, twice. No, once and then the Blazers later. I'm a nerd. So I love the 80s, though. Isaiah Thomas was awesome, and so was Magic Johnson and Michael Jordan. People still, they're always like, is LeBron better or Michael Jordan? Jordan, we know. Come on. And, I'm, and that's a lot for me, because I'm a Magic Johnson fan, Sister Debbie. Okay, He broke my heart in 1991 in the NBA Finals. Okay, It took like two years for me to forgive. No, I didn't forgive Jordan for 10 years. I had to go to a retreat, and it was a struggle then. I was like watching, uh, y'all remember The Last Dance? It came out, it was about Michael Jordan on Netflix, and I was like, I started watching, I was like, you know what, I should have liked Michael Jordan back in the 90s, you know, man, I, he was great, man, he, yeah, I started watching, I was like, man, I hate the Bulls, man, I can't stand the Chicago Bulls, I still can't. <laughs> God's dealing with me, okay? But everybody in the 80s wanted to dunk. We wanted to dunk. See, right now, everybody talks about Steph Curry and LeBron and, you know, those guys with the Denver Nuggets, and they're amazing, right? And if, you don't, if you're not into sports, just stay with me, okay? But we all wanted to dunk, get that basketball and dunk. And my, in, our, in our bedroom on South Selman, my brother got at Walmart one of those little door hanger basketball goals, little plastic rim. So I'd watch Magic Johnson, and I knew that was me. All right? And I would, you know, Magic Johnson was beautiful. He'd come in. He was from Michigan, so he'd come in and do like that. And, and, and he was just awesome. And I would try to do that. And I knew I was doing it just like him. And to dunk like Jordan and Dominique Wilkins and these great basketball players, I was like, I want to do it just like them, but I'm half white and I can't jump. <laughs> and that was my only problem. But we'd go in the backyard and my brother could jump. I remember one guy saw him, he said, man, he's got ups like UPS and Matt could jump, but I couldn't. So I'd get out and play basketball. I'd be trying to take charges out on the back, in the backyard. Everybody hated me. And Adrian's like, John, you can't be taking charges. Someone's going to get hurt. I'm like, don't jump. And so we'd be playing basketball in my backyard, and it was concrete, and we had a concrete slab back there and a basketball goal. And my brother would always, he'd get with my cousin Rod, and they'd set it up themselves, and they'd be like, oh, man, we got a bag of extra bolts. I guess they gave us extra bolts. Anyway, they're setting up the basketball goal. But all the kids from the neighborhood would come and play basketball with us. And um, it was, we had an adjustable goal. So you get a broomstick, and you raise it up higher if you want to play a regular game. And then if you wanted to lower it, that's when everybody started dunking and having dunk contests in our backyard. So Rashawn Gibson and the Urias boys, Eric Urias, y'all know them from the band with their dad, Polo. They'd all come over, and we'd be, they'd be dunking, and I'd watch them. And I wanted to dunk, but I couldn't. So I said, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. I'd try to put the leg weights on my feet to exercise, to jump higher, and it just wasn't happening. And I said, you know what, I'm going to dunk. So I put the goal on the lowest level. And I got a brick. And that wasn't my jump shot. That was an actual brick. Don't be judging me, Sister Debbie. And I put a brick on the ground. And I said, I'm going to dunk today. This is my day. So I ran. I jumped off that brick. And I could see all the cameras were going off. It was like I could see the, the masses. I knew an NBA coach was watching this and was going to come and recruit me. I'm coming to the NBA, not D-League. I'm going first round, 
first pick. And I'm just coming up, and I'm like, oh, this is my moment. Cocked that ball back, brought it in, brought it in, hit the rim. Hit the rim with the basketball, flew right back, and hit my head on the concrete. Hit my head on the concrete. I hit it so hard. I, I sat up, and I was like, I was seeing stars and birds, and I said, am I in a dream? And my dunking days were over. I was trying to dunk in my own strength. And I remember one day my brother felt sorry for me. So he's, he and his friend Alex said, John, come over here, run. Run and jump to dunk. We'll help you. So I ran up to dunk. And, I, and he said, jump as hard as you can. And I jumped. And my brother grabbed one leg. And his friend Alex grabbed the other leg. And they lifted me up. And I dunked. And it was awesome. But I needed some help. <laughs> and I wonder if you and me... I wonder if we're trying to get to God's best in our own strength too. If God set it up, and he did, for us to experience his perfect will, his best for our lives, only with him lifting us, lifting us up to get there so that he gets the glory and so that people can know his love through us. You know, it's interesting that Paul is telling in Galatians chapter 4, Paul's telling in Galatians chapter 4, he's telling them a story. He says, look, guys, stop trying to do it in your own strength. You're trying to dunk like Jordan, and you can't. You don't got ups. You can't do it in your own strength. You can't do it. And he gives the example of Abraham. Isn't that interesting? He gets to Abraham, and he says, God spoke to Abraham. Abraham was old, way past having kids. And his wife was old, too, Sarah. And God spoke to them and said, guess what? You're going to have a kid. And he took him outside and said, look at the stars. You're going to have descendants like that. I'm going to bless you. You're going to have kids. And it's awesome. And Abraham got fired up. God spoke to him. He felt the anointing. He was stoked. He was so energized. And then he came home and looked at his wife. And she looked at him. And they were old. And in the natural, it didn't look like it could happen. So she looked at him and she said, honey, I think we can figure this out. And they started trying to dunk in their own strength. She said, I have a servant, a young lady named Hagar. And he said, okay, I know where you're going with this. And she said, I want you, why don't you sleep with Hagar and have a kid, and we'll figure this thing out. And, he, and like the sensible man that he was, he said, okay, I'll sleep with her. All the ladies were like, he wasn't Mexican or African-American. I'll tell you that, he'd have been dead. <laughs> my family boy is like you ain't sleeping with nobody so he slept with her right come on let's be real we're a lot of and he, uh, he slept with her and had a baby named Ishmael and problems started and God showed up again God showed up in person and said no 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 I told you I'm going to give you I'm going to give you a son but it's going to be through Sarah and he looked at Sarah and Sarah started laughing and he said, no, 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 that's all right. You can laugh, but I know you trust me. So trust me on this. You're going to have a baby. And later on, she had a son named Isaac. And Isaac means laughter. Because God has a sense of humor too. And they believed God. And look at how awesome that was. But here's what it was. God spoke to Abraham that he'd have a son and that Abraham would have countless decisions from that son. And Abraham, the father of faith, the man that believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, he struggled with his faith like you and I do. Isn't that bring liberty to know that God loves us and we belong with him even in the middle of our struggles? When we're having our hardest days, God loves us and he's with us the most. 
God spoke to Abraham saying that he'd still bless Hagar and her son Ishmael, but he promised Isaac through Sarah. Abraham got ahead of God but, and caused serious problems because he was trying to do things in his own strength. And you and I, when we spend time in prayer and fasting in the word, God can do more in a moment than you and I can do in a lifetime of working in our own strength. So my thought tonight is in talking about you belong, stop forcing it. Stend, spend time with God and then walk in the pace of grace. God wants you to work hard, to be excellent, to be punctual, to be faithful. But he wants you to walk in intimacy with him to move at his direction. So that there's no reason for your victorious life but him. You can't work hard enough, enough overtime to obtain all the blessings that God wants to pour on your life and pour to others through you. Could it be that you and I are getting Ishmaels in our life through Hagar moments because we're trying to do things in our own strength? God wants to give you and me Isaac blessings by spending time with him and letting him do the heavy lifting. The Bible talks about a prophet named Elijah. This guy was incredible. He shows up on the scene in 1 Kings and he said, there's not going to be rain until I say so. This dude was powerful. Then one day God says, I'm about to do a good, a powerful work. Go to that wicked king Ahab and tell him that rain's coming. And God leads him to go talk to Ahab. He shows up, gets all the prophets of Baal, the false prophets, stands on Mount Carmel. He gets 450 prophets of Baal, says, y'all light up, get your sacrifice ready. I'm going to get a sacrifice ready. And whichever God responds by setting the, the sacrifice on fire, that's the God we're going to serve in this land. And they, they're calling out to their God. He calls out to the Jehovah God, and God in flames of fire consumes the, the sacrifice. Then after that, he walks out. There's no rain. There's nothing. And he looks out, and he says, rain's coming. Rain poured on the land. It was crazy. God showed up. But in that moment of victory, that's sometimes where we have to, to remember that we belong the most. Sometimes the devil will, will attack you after your best moments. When you think you've got it all together. When you think you don't need God. When you think you can do it in your own strength. Because that's when Jezebel said, I'm going to kill you. I'm coming after you. You're going to be dead. And he took off and he was scared and he was afraid. And God showed up and said, what are you doing? He said, I'm the only one serving you, Lord. Sometimes we get off by ourselves and we get depressed and we get anxious and we get lonely and we let the devil lie to us thinking that we don't belong, thinking that we're the only ones, that we're the only ones doing right. And the devil tries to think, he'll try to lie to us saying, you're the only one struggling with porn. You're the only str one struggling with this kind of thought about your identity. You're the only one who's thinking this way. And he tries to keep you all by yourself and then tries to destroy you. And he tries to do it up here. That's where it starts. And he, the devil tried to do that with Elijah. But God showed up, and you know what he did? The first thing he did? He said, Elijah, let me give you something. He gave him food and something to drink, and he gave him a nap. There's some powerful spiritual wisdom for you right now to remember where you belong. Some of you need to drink some water, eat a good meal, and take a nap. <laughs> that might do you good, too. You can start hearing God's voice from there. I had my, my, my mother-in-law's food and my wife's food. I, I hear the voice of God. It's pretty anointed sometimes, all the time. Then after that, though, God brought Elijah to a place, and there was thunder and lightning and all this stuff, but then it said there was the still small voice. 
And that's when God revealed his purpose to him and God brought miracles for Elijah and brought transition in the kingdom and brought great miraculous change for the people of Israel when he got in that intimate place. And as the soft music begins to play, I wonder tonight, for any of us that are struggling with belonging, most of us are saved here, most of us have a relationship with God, but have we been trying to do things in our own strength? God's given you a dream and he's spoken to your heart about great things that he has for you. If we start trying to figure it out in our own strength. No, God wants you to work hard. He wants you to give your best. Absolutely. But the dreams that God's put in your heart are big enough that you can't get there in your own strength. You need him. For some of you, it's in your marriage. For some of you, it's in a relationship. It's in your heart. For some of you, it's as simple but as difficult as forgiving somebody. And it's those simple things that can be the hardest. But tonight, God wants you to know that you belong. And in that intimate place, he wants to bring you in like Mephibosheth, like Elijah. And he wants to reveal to you his heart because he loves you that much. With every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, I thank you that you show us that you love us like that word you gave to the people in Galatia. Lord God, we can put our trust in you and grow in this relationship. We can grow in our faith. And God, I pray that you would help us to grow in intimacy with you, to recognize our need for you tonight, that we can't do it in our own strength, that we need you. With every head bowed and every eye closed. If tonight you say, you know what, John, I've been doing things in my own strength. And I want to come to that place of complete reliance on God because I have some needs. If that's you, no one's talking, no one's looking around. If that's you, would you raise your hand? I want to pray for you. My hand's up. I need God. I need him too. God wants to work in your life and do some miraculous things with every head bowed, every eye closed. You said, I haven't raised my hand yet, but I want to. Raise your hand too, and I'm going to pray for you. All right. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If your hand's up, I'm standing up already. I need this. Would you stand with me if you have your hand raised? Stand with me in, an act, in a step of faith. This is between you and God. My hands, are, my hands raised too. I need God. I need him in a new way in my life. I need a new level of intimacy and to go deeper. Because I want to know him more and not do it in my own strength. Pray this with me all over the house. Say, Father God, I need you. I, I want you more than anything. Forgive me for going at it alone and trying to do things in my own strength. Help me to walk in your strength, to spend time in your word, to spend time in prayer with you. God, I want you. Change me. Fill me. Take every part of me and make it yours in Jesus' name.